gentlemen for joining us this evening we're gonna be talking about a gentleman whose songs referenced and played by many individuals across the ages many of his songs went on to be very very popular when in the hands of other people you may or may not recognize his name and well i can definitely tell you that a lot of musicians would tonight we're gonna be talking about lead belly thank you for listening to do check out the song i'm ian i'm pat so the king of the 12-string guitar was born, Hughie William Ledbetter, on January 23rd, 1988, or 1989. So I, I was looking at the pronunciation for this. H, it, it said like H-Y-O-O. Like yeah, Hugh. Hughie. Yeah, Hughie. Yeah, okay. Just making sure I was, I was getting that. That's, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, what, that's what I came across, too. Okay. I was just making sure I, I got that, because he actually pronounces it on one of the other songs. I can't... Uh, can't remember which one, but I was listening to a, a few of the tracks when we were uh, preparing here, and he actually pronounces his own name at some point, and I was like, oh, <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Well, so he was born on a plantation near Mooringsport, Mooringsport, Louisiana, not Mooringsport. <laughs> but yeah, he was better known as Lead Belly. His birthday really was mainly based on his World War II draft registration in 1942. But even that, there's conflict, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, with all these guys. It's, I, it suggests he was born on January 23rd, 1988. Or no, it suggests he was born in 1989. 1989, but, huh? Uh, geo, ge, uh, gene, genealogical evidence. God, that's a fucking hard word. Gene, genealogical evidence suggests he was born in 1988. 1988? Yeah. So he's two years younger than me. <laughs> yeah, you old fucking man. You mean 1888. Ah, oh, fuck. Yeah, 1888. <laughs> <laughs> His family didn't stay in Louisiana long. They moved to Lay, Texas when uh, when he was five. And that's where he received his first instrument, an accordion. Oh, man, after my own heart. I know I've heard some tracks of him playing it. He, uh, he shreds the old squeeze box. Yeah, and he got it from his uncle. Didn't get a guitar till he was 16. Got it from his dad. It was a six-string. Six-string, yeah. yeah. He's not the king of the six-string. <laughs> And although he played 12-string, he played piano, mandolin, harmonica, violin, and the wind jammer. Yeah, that's nice. I like that. <laughs> I had to look up what a wind jammer was. Yeah, I love it. It's wind jammers are weird. <laughs> By 1903, he was already a musicianer. And yes, apparently that's a word. Had M to look it up. Musicianer? It's, it's a word. I had to look it up. So, <laughs> so they, is that somebody who makes musicians? Or is it just another word for, for musician? musician. Oh. It's just another word for musician. I'm going to start calling myself a musician and see if people correct me. No, it, apparently it's a real word. He started playing at the age of 16 around Shreveport, Louisiana. Shreveport. Shreveport, sorry. That's all right. In St. Paul's Bottom, a notorious red light district in the city. Ooh, red yeah. light. So, you know, he started off playing in high-class areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean... All, like all, all bands. Yeah, all the people we've honestly talked about this season have really started from high areas and just skyrocketed, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, yeah, he developed his own style from this. You know, he's just exposed to so much different music, you know, around salons, brothels, and dance halls in the bottom. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. In the bottom? In the bottom. Is that what they called it? Apparently. Oh, wow. Well, then, of course, they, it was immediately going to be a red light district. <laughs> yeah, baby, let's go down to the bottom. <laughs> We're not going down there for, you know, shopping for Sunday clothes or whatever. I don't know what, what you're shopping for. In, mm, in maybe the, lingerie. Yeah. In the 1900s? When they stone you to death for that? <laughs> well, I mean, as long as you hide it under your giant dress or all and your... bonnet. Yes. So, in 1910... He got married to his first wife, Aletha Henderson, who was 17 years old. 
oh, what, 10, um, 22? She's 22 at that point. Yeah. She's 17. 21, that's, 22. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> that's a little weird. I mean, yeah. it's 1900. Different but times. Still, yeah. I'm I'm glad you picked up on it because I, I, I didn't want to mention it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not, I, I had to do the math on that, but that that wasn't adding up for me immediately. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna pass over that, but yeah. So he married a 17 year old. Yeah, possibly. You know, he even married her when she was 15. Oh well, thanks. Yeah, yeah for making that extra extra. Weird. <laughs> well, you know, with the uh, high quality details of someone's life like we got, you know, we gotta make it extra interesting. Later that year, 1910. He moved to Dallas, Texas, and uh, that's where he met Blind Lemon Jefferson, five years his junior. Blind Lemon Jefferson. I've listened to a little bit of his stuff. He is pretty rocking himself. Oh, he's awesome. Please see that my grave is kept clean. Oh, what a great song. Oh, that's, yeah, that comes from him, right? That's yeah. something that I, I, I really like other people. I think we've right. mentioned that in this podcast before, too, but it's worth mentioning multiple times because yeah. it's a great song. In fact, we're gonna, I'm going to throw out a dude, check out this song on to see that my grave is kept clean by Paul and <laughs> Jefferson right here. <laughs> and now our podcast is about him. I mean, for a little while, it kind of is about 50% about him. <laughs> Around this time is when he uh, switched from 6-string to 12-string. His, uh, you know, his moniker, his his known instrument. Which is how he gets that, that weird, like, alternating bass kind of style that he gets, right? Probably, and that's probably why his guitar sounds so much different on recordings than anybody else in his time. Yeah, with the, it's just, the way it's, it's so much louder. Mm-hmm. So many more noises. Yeah, he was never faithful to his wife. When he was on the road, he would brag and say that he'd make it with eight to ten women a night. <laughs> eight to ten women a night huh? eight to ten women a night yeah well uh he that's i mean if you're lead belly <laughs> why not one of the perks of being a musician because you sure certainly didn't make money in this day and age yeah well i mean we all know that he didn't make a lot of money at all but his good times on the road didn't last too long in june 1915 he was arrested the incident is lost to history. Nobody really knows why, but he was convicted of carrying a pistol illegally and sentenced to 30 day on a gang chain. Wait, 30 days on a gang chain? Yeah. Well, that right there, I mean, that's that's blues music. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You said you said 30 days on a gang chain. Yeah. You're you're going to be like, "Oh, I got a song for this." <laughs> you're probably well, like breaking rocks on the side of the road. Well, we we've got a trend going here. I'm pretty sure he learned a lot of music from prison. Yeah, well, I mean, there, there's the work songs, the prison songs. That there's a lot of influence from, if I remember correctly. But he was only sentenced to 30 days, so I don't know. But it was apparently hard because he escaped, moved to Bowie, Texas, where he lived under the name Walter Boyd, and he started performing and working as a sharecropper. And that didn't last too long either, because in January 1918, he was imprisoned in Dallas, Texas for a second time after killing one of his relatives, Will Stanford, in a fight. <laughs> William Stanford, huh? Stafford, sorry. Oh, yeah, Stafford. And in prison, he'd entertain the guards and fellow prisoners with singing and, you know, doing all that kind of stuff, performing, you know, and one marks for good behavior. He was released seven years into his 20-year sentence, reportedly writing a song appealing to Governor Pat Moore's Neff for his freedom. <laughs> <laughs> so he wrote a song to the governor to get free. Yeah. Oh, well, I, if I ever go to jail, that's what I'm going to do, too. Hey, hey, governor. I wrote you a song. <laughs> yeah, I even got some lyrics for you. It says, please, Governor Neff, be good and kind. Have mercy on my great long time. I don't see you to save my soul. I don't get a pardon. Try me on parole. If I had you, Governor Neff, like you got me, I'd wake up in the morning and I'd set you free. Oh, that's <laughs> he's playing for it right there. He's like, come on, man. I'd do it for you. I would let you go. Why are you, why are you fucking yeah, around man. with this? Yeah, man, I'd be cool with you. I thought we were pals, man. You're the governor. <laughs> and so in January 1925, he was pardoned by the governor. Oh, see, that worked. See, we're, that's a good governor. <laughs> we're going to talk about next week. We're going to talk about some bad governors next week. But this week, we got some good governors. That guy, like... Dude wrote a song for me. Lead Belly. Lead Belly. Yeah, you're out of there. I like that song. Go free. I'm sorry you <laughs> murdered your relative. So he continued to travel around and play music and stuff like that. But again, didn't last long. 
1930, he was back in prison, this time in Louisiana for attempted homicide for stabbing a man. And he was sent to Louisiana State Penitentiary, Angola Prison. When was this? This was in 1930. 19- this dude's just going into prison all the fucking time. Every few years. Yeah, what the hell? Like, we we were talking about, like, you know, earlier, you gotta make some shit up to get some cred to, for your blues cred. This dude is out there straight up shanking people. Yeah, he didn't, he made his own street cred. Yeah, there's no, you, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to make nothing up about meeting the devil at the crossroads when you straight up shanking a dude. I, I cut a dude up. What? <laughs> That's yeah, my blues song. <laughs> I killed a guy, and then I got released for writing the governor a song, and he liked it. Yeah, yeah, my blues was so good. The governor was like, <laughs> "That Damn, might, boy, that actually it. might be made up, but it's a great part of the story." So you yeah, know, well, okay. Much- so we know here, at dude, check out this song that we always support the folklore. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. That story is just so important. You know what I mean? <laughs> really lift up those falsehoods. <laughs> <laughs> In July 1933, while still in prison, Lead Belly encountered folklorist John Lomax and his son, Alan. Oh, the, Mr. Alan Lomax. Thank yep. you, sir. He's all over our first season. Oh, dude. he's going to be all over our second season, our third season, he's, our fourth season. Yeah, exactly. He is just, he's got his hands in all of these. I think we, if we haven't mentioned him. We oh, we have. have. I, I mean, know. we've talked about him briefly. Yeah, but he's been in every episode without like being mentioned. Alan Lomax is just such an important figure for recording songs back then. He's recording songs in the Library of Congress and shit. Well, his dad was the one who started it, too. Alan just picked up where his dad left off when he died. That is just some noble shit right there. And like I was saying, John and Alan Lomax came down and, you know, they're searching for recordings for the Library of Congress. And they really took to Lead Belly. They loved his stuff. So they immediately just set up their recording equipment in the prison and started recording him. Wait, so they they actually came and recorded him in the prison? In the prison. I mean, no disrespect, but take that, Johnny Cash. (laughs) Your ass went there on like a weekend vacation. Oh, come on. He recorded in a prison. Uh, Yeah, in the lunchroom under guard (laughs) and then went home to his bed. Like, uh, uh, come on, not, he was the man in black. No, I, I'm not that disrespecting Johnny Cash at all. It sounds I like really, you're di- disrespecting him. Everybody knows that I really, really like Johnny Cash, but when Alan hates him, when Alan Lomax comes to your fucking prison cell and brings you a guitar and records you sitting there in your cell, you you've officially made it. Well, I don't know if it was in a cell. It might have been in the yard or something or in a visiting room somewhere. This is this is my fantasy, Ian. Stop <laughs> shitting on my fantasy. That's what I'm here for is to shit on your fantasy. I, I imagine there's some like armed guards on each side of the cell and they're like staring down Alan like, don't get too close to the cage. He likes to stab people. Yeah, he stabs seven <laughs> men since he's been here. We call him Stabby Mick. Lead belly. <laughs> Stabby McLeadbelly. <laughs> I actually don't think he had his nickname yet. No, he didn't have his nickname quite yet. Oh, he's so he's still just <laughs> watch out for little Hootie there. <laughs> yeah. Hootie. Oh yeah, Hootie. No, no. You gotta not, put that Y he, in there. Yeah, he's not the not in the blowfish. He's Hootie. <laughs> so once again, he was a pardoned a year later. After a petition to the governor, O.K. Allen by the Lomaxes. So now he's like, <laughs> so he's just like, all right, you guys go talk to him now. Like, I, I'm not, I don't have a song that's going to get me out of this one. No, so apparently, and this is, you know, another part of the folklore, is they brought the recordings to him and they were like, please, sir, let him out. We'll make sure he's good. We're just going to record his music and make lots and lots of money. <laughs> that would so not work today like come <laughs> no. on man let's do no nowadays you gotta jams. rat your gangsta buddies out yeah, you exactly. know like uh takashi 69 <laughs> <laughs> name dropping the poor oh, guy oh boom i actually wrote that in my notes so i remember to say it <laughs> that's a diss that went down like he's like oh make sure to talk shit about that snitch guy i've seen his stupid face tattoos and his skittle hair <laughs> he's in prison he won't get to me for another three or four years dude this guy is not gonna listen to our podcast <laughs> you don't got time for that shit too many other people to snitch on I've seen the memes. He has other people to stab before us. Oh, he's probably got a lot of enemies. And besides, he's just going to snitch on us and we don't do anything illegal. So, And this is a dude, don't check out that song 
don't check out Takashi Six Nine. Yeah, for any reason. No. Never, <laughs> never check him out. In fact, I think we should probably all forget his existence ever existed <laughs> and just leave him in prison. This is the last time I'll mention him. Yeah, exactly. And when he's when unless he's I released, need to talk shit again, we should all just pretend like we never knew him. Like it's like a weird sci-fi episode. That's the prank that I want the whole world to pull <laughs> on that guy. We should all pre- like down to his mother. We should all just pretend like we didn't even know. Just who he ignore was. him. <laughs> <laughs> sorry who are you i'm your who <laughs> that reminds me of a book i just read <laughs> <laughs> well this isn't dude check out that book oh damn it i knew i was on the wrong podcast <laughs> coming next week dude check out this book <laughs> so anyway all those recordings kind of got shelled for years and years and years never really got released till 1966 uh so you can actually find these recordings that they made in the prison in 1991 Rounder Records released a CD called Midnight Special with all these songs on it. Midnight Special. And that's my first dude check out the song is Midnight Special. Midnight Special. Yeah, I'm cutting that. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) It's all right. I'm going to cut you. It's the theme of this episode. Whatever, Lead Belly. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to call you No Belly. No Belly. So after his release from prison in 1934, he moved to New York with the Lomaxes. Like he, moved in with them? Probably because part of his uh, parole was he had to have a job and it was, you know, the Great Depression. So there wasn't many. <laughs> so his job just, is to go live with Adam no, or uh, Alan. And <laughs> no, he worked as a chauffeur and bodyguard for John and Alan Lomax while they toured the South searching for folk material. Oh, that is so funny. They were, <laughs> we know a big scary blues guy. We're going to just have him around with us. This dude literally well, stabs the, people. They're going from prison to prison, so it's probably a good idea to have a guy in there who kind of knows Are the world. Are they just recording like people from prisons? Uh, that's what it seems like. They're they're just going like down south, and then they go to different prisons and stuff and discover people. That is so crazy. <laughs> like, oh, that's the, the great... You gotta go find where the soul is. Where's the soul? I don't know. Prisons. Uh. <laughs> like, yeah, they went to uh, Cummins Prison Farm in Arkansas, and uh, that's when Lead Belly first heard the song Rock Island Line. And so he took the song, changed it around, and dude, check out the song Rock Island Line. It's dude, a- check out this song. Rock- I've actually heard this song by a couple other people, and it's a fucking great song. It's a good song. Yeah. They probably stole his version. <laughs> Rock Island Line. <laughs> Sorry, I've been singing way too much of this episode already. I know. People are going to start tuning out here pretty soon. Or Ian's going to cut me from the episode. (laughs) It's not, dude, check out this Pat. (laughs) Not yet. Coming next season. (laughs) Uh, That comes with a calendar. Yeah, (laughs) PG-13. In 1935, he got married to to Martha Promise and began recording with American Record Corporation. Martha! Martha! Yeah, we're going to talk about Martha. Well, oh, will we? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, they really insisted that he recorded blues songs. Not really his uh, style of music. He was way better at folk music. Oh, yeah. Because, like, literally, I, I said blues earlier, but that's one of the true things, is he was more of a folk he musician. He was a folk musician. Yeah, I mean, and, I, I guess that's kind of a misnomer. Yeah, and because, because of that, uh, the album didn't sell well, because he's a folk guy. He's not a blues guy. But I think there was probably some racism in that where it's like, you're black, you must record blues. Yeah, where's the blues, dude? I mean, (laughs) even Blind Lemon Jefferson's (laughs) like, why aren't you playing blues, bro? He's like, I like folk music. No, Blind Lemon Jefferson was probably like, finally, someone who's not going to cop my material. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I mean, he's going to cop his material anyways. Let's be honest. Folk musicians, like any song they hear, they're like, I could cover that. It's a tribute. (laughs) I use your version. Was that cool? No. Well, too late. It's a traditional. I told you a year later that I already put it on my album. I'm looking at you, Bob Dylan. Bro. He's definitely not looking at you. Yeah, well, I know. But somebody's got to stand up for our bro. Come on. Dave Van Ronk, it's all right, bro. I was trying not to, like, name names, but you just went there. All oh, right. I'm I'm naming. I'm dropping names. We're going to throw an asshole spotlight on Bob Dylan right now. He's a, he was one of my inspirations, so it's ironic. I love Bob Dylan to death, and I know a lot of his music like quite well, but he gets our one of our asshole spotlights for the evening because, like, honestly, 
Dave Van Ronk deserves to have done the House well, of the Rising Sun thing, but we're not. Well, that, ironic, that's not ironic, what this podcast ironically, is about. Lead Belly did it first, anyway. Yeah, so. I know. There's a heavy <laughs> irony here because there, these people were doing it literally like 50 years earlier, still at this point. Oh man, you got to work on your math. That's probably about 30 years earlier. I was hoping that he had been playing it earlier in his life. I don't know. I don't know exactly when he learned House of the Rising Sun. Do you have that information? I don't, but I know that song's from the 1800s, so he oh, yeah. could have probably learned it when he was five. Yeah, I mean, it kind of wasn't it Gambler's Blues when it came across the sea so it's uh, it's really old <laughs> in march 1935 the lomaxes ended their friendship with lead belly after they found him unreliable during a northeast tour or he might have threatened them one of them with a knife possibly john lomax <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna probably assume a little of both he'd pro- it's probably not okay so it's probably not the first time he'd even threaten them with a knife like you're probably like all right I'm it's done. the last time, Lead Belly, that you're walking around here threatening us with a knife. We get it. You yeah. cut people with knives. It's your thing. Well, that's why I added it, because so many people mentioned different reasons why he was dropped, but with his penchant for violence, I mean, you yeah. know. No, he, he loves to be a stabbing and stab stab. <laughs> and so he returned to Louisiana, and there he obtained legal representation and sought more money from the Lomaxes. Wait, so he 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 just got a lawyer and was like, "Bitch, give me money." Yeah, pretty much. I imagine or that's I'm what I'm going to stab you. There's no records of the argument itself, but knowing music, that's probably what it was over anyway. Yeah, I mean, let's be honest, like yeah. musical representation, it's always kind of like, "Hey, you know, <laughs> you've been giving me a penny for each." <laughs> yeah, time. he's going to he's going to rob him with a fountain pen this time. Yeah, exactly. Some with a fountain. No, <laughs> we'll get to that next week. We'll get that to next week. <laughs> Next week reference. Yeah, we've got we've got some quotes for next week that we're just accidentally dropping a week earlier. It's a preview, guys. <laughs> I hope you guys can figure that one out. But back to our current episode. And so over the next two months, the settlement allowed the Lomaxes to use Lead Belly songs in a book called Negro Folk Songs as sung by Lead Belly. Oh my god, they're still doing this. We're just like, <laughs> hey, this is Negro songs. Yeah, like, I no, get it. Like it's nineteen thirty six. So I, know, I mean, but uh, we keep doing that. We keep like getting all the way to the end of when they stop doing it, and then we're like, now we're talking about somebody else. Let's skip to the <laughs> beginning of racism again. <laughs> I mean, let's do it again with another person. Let's be honest, the racism probably hasn't stopped to this day. So. No, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's it's not fixed by any means, but it's. This particular era is the worst, especially like, you know, Negro folk songs, yeah. the, the album, let's exploit them for a penny. Exactly. And so may, maybe if we ever do more research on John Lomax, maybe he wasn't as great of a guy as we thought. <sighs> we'll get to that. I, I think that's a good a, a good thing for next season. Maybe, yeah. Maybe we'll we'll take a real look at those two. Yeah, we'll probably will have to. And so uh, after the book was released, he moved uh, back north, you know, to New York City, attempting to build his career as a performer. As a performer. And from 1937 to 1939, he made recordings for the Library of Congress at the behest of Alan Lomax. Yeah. Alan Lomax is all about the Library of Congress. I think especially after his dad's like out of the picture or or whatever it is, like he records a lot of people in the Library of Congress. And this is also why I think that it was Lead Belly and John Lomax who had the beef because Al Lomax still helped him out in later years. And so I just, it seems it like doesn't a, make any sense if, if, if they really hated each other, why would he help him out? Yeah. It's a simple logic. I mean, yeah. he's probably, it was probably John that they had the issue with. And then once John was out of the picture, the son was like, whatever. Yeah. I know you thought my dad with a knife that one time, but this time we're in the library of Congress and I'll shank <laughs> you with his book. Maybe, maybe he brought a knife to him. and was like, record me for the next two years, asshole. Or I'm going to stab yeah, you. Really, the whole time, like, you, you just got to listen to the codes. Alan Lomax is like, H-E-L. That's not, <laughs> that, that's not really a, a Morse code. That was fake Morse code, everybody. Please do not copy that. I don't even know if they're going to hear that. <laughs> well, if you didn't hear that, then that's even better. I don't want to get a, a Morse code infraction from the Morse code police. Uh, well, I don't think anybody knows Morse code. I think you're safe. Now we're going to get an angry email from people in the military. Now they're like, oh. It's just going to be in dots and dashes. We're not going to understand it anyway. Yeah, so please, somebody just just hit us with some dots and dashes. I'm not even going to figure out what it is. You guys can all have fun with that. We can't break your code. Yeah, we, we don't. We're not wizards. We can't. We don't speak this language. So around this time. Damn it. 
So around this time, he was uh, taken up by left-wing activists who uh, increasingly started using folk music to, you know, start pushing their political agendas. Oh, this is when folk music gets its first big revival there. Yeah, and he became part of a community, you know, with like Aunt Molly Jackson, Woody Guthrie, Pete Seeger, and Sonny Terry, and Brownie McGee, you know. All some badasses. (laughs) Some big names back then. And yeah, he, he wasn't super into politics himself. But he did write a few political songs, like the Bourgeois Blues. Bourgeois. And dude, check out this song. Dude, check out this Bourgeois song. The the, the Bourgeois Blues. God damn it, fucking French. Bourgeois. <laughs> bourgeois. I, I just like saying that. It's fun. The he can probably say blues. it because he's from because uh, he was born in Louisiana. Yeah, for him, it's like anything. It's like Sunday. <laughs> it's like speaking English. It's still English. Is no, isn't it French? I mean, but is it if you're just, if it's a word like a name, I guess it, it's got a heavy French basis. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> this is not dude. Check out this language. Dude, check, check this out. We're going to break down these words. Yeah. Oh yeah. Not going to happen. Moving <laughs> forward. And so in March, 1939, Lead Belly was arrested for stabbing a man in New York. <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, he threatened a guy with a knife, and then you know, that's actually not what happened. What? Yeah. So uh, I, I assume you're talking about March fifth, nineteen thirty nine, correct? Yep. Oh yes. No, that's that's uh, not not exactly how it went down. I had to do some digging, and there's a few like pretty decent source materials for this. There's a couple of biographies and a couple of people who dug in. Honestly, there's not a lot of information specifically about the crimes. Uh, none of the police reports or anything where that I can find. What a shocker. Yeah, if they exist, they exist in the county that they happen in, like, a locked area. And, you know, guess what? This It's season one. I can't afford to go to where... Where did this happen? New I'll, York. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I can't afford <laughs> I to go... you said you did a deep dive. Well, I mean, I, I did, but it... <laughs> the, the location is not what matters. The location is not what matters at all. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, apparently, there was a... a disagreement or a fight with an acquaintance over martha one night so oh. we, i spoke earlier that we'd have an issue with martha yes i don't know whether there was uh you know they they were they were drinking and it was getting weird like martha might have uh had might have interacted with this gentleman or you know maybe this guy was trying to get fresh with martha but either way the he ends up getting slashed multiple times with a razor by lead belly i mean i guess that's technically a stabbing so he did not stab him technically he slashed this dude multiple times with a razor and upon (laughs) upon upon i'm sure i'm sure the the law recognizes that as a stabbing anyway upon being arrested he had almost minimal wounds almost no wounds (laughs) at all and he still lead belly yeah lead belly and he claimed it was self-defense even at that point he said it was self-defense and the cops had literally none of it they were just They, they, they didn't believe it all, so he got arrested <laughs> right away. Uh, so on, on May 4th, 1939, this is where it starts to get really good. So he's in front of the judge, and he once again is doing his self-defense claim, and it's just not going. But he does get it. Uh, charges reduced from felonious assault down to third-degree assault, which is good. Yeah, I did read that. Yeah, I mean. Those uh, are in my notes. Yeah, so, so like, you know, third-degree assault, that's not so bad for slashing a dude up with a razor. I just, I, that just sounds horrifying, right? That's, like, life-altering. Well, apparently, it's pretty easy to get light sentences uh, in this day and age. All yeah. you gotta do is write a song and they'll yeah, let you no, go. I mean, he's already killed a dude at this point, maybe multiple people, but either way. Uh, it was self-defense, come yeah. on. Yeah, so e- either way. They adjourn Kurt. Or <laughs> Either way, they had recess for a few days for sentencing, and it was. Leadbelly was almost assuredly going to jail. And yeah. then the most miraculous thing happened. Do you want to know what again? I think I know what happened. So Leadbelly walks into a store in the process of an armed robbery and subdues the gentleman, whether <laughs> with his own gun or probably a bloody razor that he had just slashed some gentleman to death with. Uh, it, it was probably a new razor. I yeah. think the police confiscated yeah, his He was old... probably there to pick up the razor. He's like, I'm just going to keep this. I'm just going to put it in his pocket. Stabs and... the guy. Yeah, and he goes, he I'll, I'll take one of these. <laughs> like, this, this works good. I'll have one of these. And he held So, so wait, while he was on jail 
for no. while he was uh, uh, while he was on trial for assault, he assaulted another guy. Yeah, but it, it, technically it was a robbery, and I, like I, I don't know. It's so, By who? It's so confusing. And I don't know this this unknown gentleman who was robbing a store. So this is what I'm saying. Like it's it's too convenient. Literal days after he's going to prison, and he hasn't been sentenced yet. And he goes into a store and he's like, oh, no, this guy's totally robbing the store. I should probably stop him. And he stops him. And guess what happens? The police come. This was taken into account when sentencing him. No way. 100%. <laughs> so for him helping people out, they're like, well, you stabbed a guy, but you also saved people from yeah. losing their money. So almost even. Yeah. He served almost no time. <laughs> he served eight months. Eight months. And eight. yeah. I actually did not see that one coming. Yeah. (laughs) I thought you were going to talk about Al Lomax coming to the rescue to uh, record him again. Go, here, record this so we can sell it. And here's your money for your your legal bills. No, Al Lomax did that. The Razor Slash, man. That's (laughs) that's just so insane. That was way better than my story. Honestly, it's like it's like a Batman versus Superman Martha moment. (laughs) You just don't mess with anyone named Martha at this point. You just can't. Or Lead Belly. Yeah. He, he seems like the one you should yeah. mess with. <laughs> yeah, you really shouldn't <laughs> fight with Lead Belly. That's, that's Messi- my... me- messing with Martha is messing with Lead yeah, Belly at this exactly. point. So upon his release, he got pretty busy uh, playing music and stuff like that. But he started a network radio series called Folk Musicians of America and Back Where I Came From. And it was just like a, a little 15-minute program. But, you know, it kept him busy. And then, you know, just for started uh, recording some more... And he had backup singers this time, the Golden Gate Quartet. Honestly, some of the music at this time, those backup singers, you know, they they do them some justice. I mean, it sounds good. Yeah, no, I I actually like I heard one and I was like, this is not right. I thought I had started playing a different artist. And I was like, oh, it actually is Lead Belly. Yeah, and once no, I listened, I was like, it really is. But with the backup singers, it's a yeah, whole different game, and it doesn't have a raw sound. Yeah, no, it's it, but it, it's also not gospely. You know what I mean? Like yeah. sometimes with with a lot of backup singers, it can be very gospely. So. Oh, well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a little bit, a little bit of gospel here and that, there. That was not a negative connotation on gospel. I had to like a lot of gospel. <laughs> it sounded pretty negative, Pat. Sorry, guys. No, <laughs> no negative gospel hate mail, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> Swing low, sweet chariot. I'm oh, singing again, again. You're singing again. I'm singing Jeez. again. This, is, this, this episode is officially named Pat Sings the Episode. Dude, check out this Pat song that he yeah, just made dude, up. Dude, check out Pat's terrible singing voice. <laughs> He'll be playing it. Yeah, nowhere. <laughs> so in May 1941, he recorded for Ash Records, just a tiny little label, and recorded with a bunch of their other, you know, uh, what do they call them, child labels or whatever. Child, child labels? Is it child? What? Subsidiary labels? That's what uh, it is. Yeah, I would have. That's a little close to child labor, and I don't think that they're they're down with any of that, right? I hope uh, they're not. It's 1941. They probably are still okay with it. Of course they are. <laughs> so in 1944, he moves to the West Coast and remains there for two years and signs to Capitol Records. Probably, you know, these recordings resulted in a lot of what we hear today. I mean, because they're just such a huge label at the time. Yeah, they, they they had the recording equipment to make sure that it was a quality that we could still listen to today. We're still in that era where some of the lower quality recordings are not legible now. You listen to them, it's just more mainly like hiss. Well, the, yeah, the technology is definitely uh, it's slowly getting better. Microphones are getting better, but it really starts taking off in the 50s when everything gets better. But that, that also comes with a lot more electronic equipment, you know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. It comes with a lot more electronic equipment. Yeah. Don't buy electronic equipment or do. <laughs> this is an ad for Electronics Co. Electronicequipment.com. <laughs> they, they, they keep getting better. I hope that's not an actual website. That wasn't a real ad. <laughs> <laughs> and so at this point, you know, he's been, uh, he's been out of jail for about four years just doing a shitload of recording. So it seems appropriate to do check out some of his songs. So do check out this song. Where did you sleep last night? Oh, where did you sleep last night? Yeah, like made, made famous by Kurt Cobain. If you haven't heard of him, you're listening to the wrong podcast. Yeah, well, and there's the Meat Puppets version too, isn't there? No, or is that? The oh, other damn one? it! You're you're gonna actually let people know that I know something about Nirvana? Okay, no, Kurt Cobain recorded a bunch of Meat Puppet songs. Oh, okay, so okay, <laughs> so the Meat Puppets connection is something else. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the, cause damn it, because he does that one and he does Lake of Fire too, right? 
Yeah, and that's, that's a Meat Puppets song. Yeah. Okay. Dude, check out the Meat Puppets. Yeah, dude, dude, check out this Meat Puppet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he does House of the Rising Sun. You know, we talked about that earlier, but it's got to be mentioned. You guys got to check this song out. Yeah, House of the Rising Sun. I mean, honestly, dude, check out this House of the Rising Sun every version. Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, not every version. There's some terrible versions okay, there, out there. There are some wretched versions, but do check them out anyway. We, we'll point out the good ones for you. Don't yeah. worry. Every time they happen, we're, we'll probably just do a segment with uh, House of the Rising Sun every time it comes up. Because I think <laughs> it starts to come up like every episode after this. <laughs> it's going to come up a lot. Yeah. So this is our first do check out this House of the Rising Sun is going to be. Is it still House of the Rising Sun or is it Rising Sun Blues for him? I can't remember. Uh, House of the Rising Sun. Yeah. At least that's what YouTube said. So yeah, okay. uh, who knows how much they do. Yeah, exactly. I know that a couple gentlemen call it rising sun blues so (laughs) well and even with uh where did you sleep last night that might not even be the original title either it might be black girl yeah black girl that's what i i i because that's usually in point or parentheses or well afterwards and so going back to the kurt cobain thing he says my girl my girl lead belly says black girl black girl yeah exactly and so made it a little bit more uh you know like a social uh Cause yeah, it'd be really weird if Kurt Cobain was like black girl, black girl. <laughs> would you sleep last night? It would be weird. And then so the next song we got to talk about is Black Betty. Bam blam. Yeah. Oh yeah. Made famous by Ram Jam. Bam blam. <laughs> he actually does that in the song though too. Oh, I know. I love. It. <laughs> we were jamming to that song. That was. Un- I, I I hesitate to admit it in front of the the menagerie here, but that was our warm up song. Tonight. We, to <laughs> we did Belly, listen to some Ram Jam right before. Right before we pressed play, it was Ram Jam time. <laughs> and I, I hesitate to admit it, but uh, now I'm I'm shouting it to the clouds. And uh, well, the thing is, that song is there's no instruments in it. it it's just him singing and clapping. So he's just going, whoa, Black Betty, bam, bam, whoa, Black Betty, yeah, bam, bam, yep, pretty much, yeah, no, I, I, it's it's great. And then uh, we got Good Night Irene, performed by other artists like the Weavers and Eric Clapton. Oh, and Woody Guthrie. Oh, did Woody oh, Guthrie? No, do? no, that's Pete Seeger. Pete yeah. Seeger did that one. Oh, that's not surprising. Yeah, well, that's another. We'll be talking a little more about that next episode. But it is not "Come On Eileen" by Dexy's Midnight Riders. <laughs> it's Dude. Eileen, not Irene. I used to think that song was "Come On Irene." <laughs> And so I was like, dude, wait, is it just a play off that? Dude, do not, not check out this song. <laughs> Come on, Irene. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't check it out. Yeah, dude, or, or do. I mean, honestly, dude, dude, if you feel like it, I guess you could check it out. But, I mean, there's so much better music yeah, that we've already dude, recommended. Dude, we prefer if you check out some Lead Belly. <laughs> <laughs> and so the last song I got. That you guys need to check out is the Gallows Pole. Oh, I love this song. Yeah, this is my personal favorite song that he does. Because it's like, that's like a Lightning Hopkins or something. Can't remember, but that's just such a goddamn good song. Yeah, oh man, that's a great song. Yeah, so I mean, honestly, one of the coolest things about Lead Belly is all of his inspirations. He gets his inspirations from such weird little places. You know, we talked about the prison. You mean other than prison? Yeah, we talked about the prison songs earlier, which is actually in this era is not like a widely represented musical inspiration. Nowadays, we think of prison as like, you know, a gangster rap thing. And then, you know, <laughs> we kick it back some years and it goes to the 70s. We think of prison as like a like an outlaw cowboy for, you know, recording from prison. Sort well, of prisons were pretty fucked up back then, too. I mean, yeah, you, I mean, there was depending a, on the prison you got to, you could just get beatings for doing nothing. Yeah. This was the earliest era where your prison was like not the worst thing in the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the, this was even though you were in a chain gang and they were out had you busting rocks on the on the five or whatever it may be but it wasn't <laughs> busting rocks on the five <laughs> well i'm trying to be hip you know <laughs> take it off here boss <laughs> take it off there Luke. You know, I, i've seen that movie that's exactly what it's all about i know what prison's like obviously <laughs> anyways <laughs> Like I said, the the where places he get his inspiration is is really really very unique. In particular, I really wanted to point out his boogie woogie guitar inspiration. Oh, because boogie woogie is so cool. I don't know if you guys know what boogie woogie is. It's that like piano, like boom boom, boom like it's it's okay, that's, <laughs> that that, 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 exactly. that that was not a good representation. <laughs> I, I, I we we will not be able to edit it out, but you know, <laughs> you guys just edit it out of your memories, and we'll all, we'll all be doing better. But uh, look up some actual boogie woogie and. 
figure out what it sounds just like. Just remember, it sounds like. Bah, 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 bah. No, that was just as bad. That, I know. Was... I'm making fun of you. <laughs> <laughs> you should have done a real impression. Then no. you would have upstaged me. But either way, according to a book. Uh, why would I do that when I can just make fun of you? Yeah. The rest of your life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the story of Boogie Woogie, A Left Hand Like a God by Peter Sylvester. Is a Ooh, book. another Sylvester. Huh? Yeah, we, we got a lot of Sylvesters here. Uh, this one is Peter J. Sylvester. He wrote this book, and he says that either in... Okay, here's a couple of weird names. Texacara, T-E-X-A-R-K-A-N-A, Texacana, excuse me. And, uh, oh, okay. Cado, Cado County, C-A-D-D-O, Cado County, or Shreveport itself, is where the, the blues singer uh, originally started landing in some bar- barrel house piano music uh, shows. Uh, and he's heard, he heard boogie-woogie, like, barrel house piano music. Most specifically, he really liked the walking bass. That that heavy oh, left yeah. that heavy left hand like doom 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 oh, doom, yeah. doom 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 like that that's something you that know. was a better one see that was a walking bass right there <laughs> that's something that I've actually played I have some some knowledge of I I don't know anything else about boogie woogie I've played enough piano to get by but that's not that's not something <laughs> I can do that takes a lot more inspiration than I've got but uh, either way this was sometime between 1899 and 1901 he must have been what that makes him 13. 1809 no no 1899 or 1901 that makes him between like 12 and 13 years old yep this is a barrel house this is a place where a bunch of people are getting drunk and see here some people playing piano the the heavy bass line of boogie woogie and he really wants to play that but you know what he does not want to really play piano i mean he does play piano but he doesn't want to. He doesn't. That's not what he's interested in. So that's what he he decides that he take that piano players. Yeah, take that piano players. Other piano players. <laughs> that's what he really like has the inspiration. He's like, you know what? I'm gonna play it on guitar. Oh, and nice. so he he he's the one that like first starts to put in that theme with the guitar, where it has that heavy like that thumb bass sort of situation, mm. where you really hang on the first string and yeah, and, you know, if you listen to his music and then you start to listen to folk music afterwards, he does it and then everybody does it because it's a really cool technique and because folk musicians are the biggest thieves in the world. Yeah, what, no, they, they it's it's all traditional music. It's once just, once some, once somebody does a they, song, sorry, it they borrowed it. Yeah, exactly. This is a cover. Either way. <laughs> uh, we love folk musicians, by the way. Yeah, That's we, why we're we, ragging on them. We, we love folk music. It's whatever. We're going to make one of the stuff that we like the most. So just get used to it. Don't send us hate mail, folk musicians. I mean, do. We're not going to read it. Do not slash us with razors, most specifically. I guess I would take some hate mail over like some razor slashing. Yeah, I don't want to get slashed. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm negative slashings, please. But at uh, least their jail time will be longer this time. And I don't yeah. think they're going to be able to write a song to get out of prison. Yeah, I'm going to write a song to the governor makes you stay in prison. So just, <laughs> just be aware of that. If you slash me with a razor, I will combat your anti-prison music with my pro-prison music. Either way, Lead Belly, he, he heard an old-fashioned Louisiana periodist named Pine Top. And so par- apparently I'm supposed to qualify for some people at this point that it is not Clarence Pine Top Smith which is a well-known other Louisiana old ragtime pianist. Okay. It's a different pine top. I think it's pronounced pianist, by the way. Yeah, it is, it is a pianist. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> take that, piano players. Yeah, take that, piano players, other piano players. Take that, pianist. <laughs> yeah, take that, other pianist. But either way, uh, so it, apparently this matters to some people. And if you're one of those people, you're welcome right now. You can just goddamn, you can write me right now and thank me for making this distinction. This is not Clarence Pine Top Smith. This is a nether Pine Top that he was referring to. And they are two different people, even though they play the same style and same instrument and possibly could have played the boogie on Fanning Street. Fannin Street? F-A-N-N-I-N. So yeah, Fannin Street, which is like a, I don't know, some probably some like well-known music place. It seems to be kind of the thing here is like... Well, I, it seems like at the day you had the, the big spots. Yeah, no, exactly. The the crossroads you yeah. end up going to. Lead Belly was so inspired by this piano playing that he uh, just 100% was like, he decided his new style. He, uh, okay. he Because sometimes when you're an artist, you know what I mean? You have that moment of inspiration where you're like... That guy's my new art dad. Oh, yeah. Well, I have that like every other week, so. Yeah, I know. Well, you have it more than anybody I've ever known, and I've known <laughs> you for a long time, so you've, you've got like 500 art dads. 
I mean, I have a lot myself, but Ian has more art dads than anybody else. <laughs> I like my art daddies. And so, uh, after recording all that stuff, he, you know, he mainly just toured. I mean, probably because that's where he made most of his money anyway. But by 1948, he was beginning to suffer from unexplained spells of numbness in his legs and was often forced to walk with a cane and perform sitting down. In May 1949, he toured France. I mean, that's got to be pretty rad. Wait, Lead Belly in France? Yeah. Oh, I feel like that's like some sort of buddy movie. That's like number three in the trilogy. (laughs) You got Lead Belly and then you got Lead Belly versus, you know, his big boss, like Lead Belly Returns in the the. You know, the reckoning of Lead Belly. And then you've got this like Ernst goes to France. Yeah, no, exactly. Then you got the third the third one where Paramount didn't pick it up and they're like, you know, uh, we're gonna do Lead Belly. Kind of a little bit more low budget. Yeah, exactly. We're gonna do Lead Belly in France because I know a guy (laughs) who owns some property on the French hillside. We can get it for cheaper there. Well, Well, that would be better than what happened because his increasing physical difficulties, he had to go to the doctor and they diagnosed him with amyotropic Lateral sclerosis, also known as ALS, better known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Oh, they should have called it Lead Belly's disease. <laughs> that sounds so much cooler. I'm sorry, Lou Gehrig. You're cool too. We, we maybe Hit all we'll, those hitting all those home runs. Yeah, or whatever. Maybe we'll check. We'll do do check out this home run sometime. But today yeah. we're we're talking about <laughs> do Lead Belly. Check out this home run. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh that's that there's nothing to laugh about ALS sucks yeah no ALS sucks and I'm we're, we're obviously not making fun of anybody with ALS and you know we're, we're not we would never like make fun of anybody with a disease but at the same time lead belly's disease just sounds cooler it does and so that's what ended his tour in France so I don't know how long it lasted but he definitely ma- didn't make it all the way through Came back to the U.S., started performing, or started performing, you know, did a few more performances, mainly in Texas and Oklahoma. In fact, there is a Texas show that was recorded and later released by Playboy Records under the title Lead Belly and marketed as the singer's last concert. So apparently that's out there. I wasn't able to find it, but with the internet, I'm pretty sure anybody can find that. Yeah. And soon soon after that, though, he was bedridden. And he died at 61 in December 6, 1949. Oh, that's sad. I mean, even though he killed multiple people. And now, he killed people. one person and stabbed multiple people. Yeah. Even though, that's still sad. You know what I mean? Like, he inspired a lot of people. And he's a, he's a you know, pretty grand musician. Yeah. There's one good thing, though. I couldn't find anything about him being buried in an unmarked grave. So. Oh, shit. He's got, he's got a gravestone? Apparently. As like, it wasn't pl- mentioned, but, I mean, I assume that as long as it's not mentioned, it's unmarked, because who wouldn't look for uh, Lead Belly's grave? Yeah, no, exactly. I, I, <laughs> we get plus People one. People still for, look for Gigi Allen's grave. Yeah, exactly. We get, we get a plus one just because he's got a, na- a gravestone with his name on it. <laughs> So if you guys want to visit it, uh, he was buried in Shiloh Baptist Church Cemetery in Mor- uh, Mooringsport, Louisiana. God, I almost called it Mor- uh, Mooringsport or Sport again. You know, or maybe you can hit us up on Patreon and we can do it for next season. We'll go vid- visit his grave and do a podcast from it. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Podcast from Lead Belly's Grave. Isn't that, I think that's <laughs> kind of disrespectful, even for a man who would probably... He's going to come back as a ghost and slash oh, us he's with gonna, a He's going to slash us on air and it's never going to be released because it's not going to be live. Yep. No, exactly. Well, never mind. <laughs> So let's let's light it up a little bit. I want to play a little game with you here. You want to play a little game? No. We're going to play. Guess which myth is probably more likely. Okay, <laughs> let's do it. So the where Lead Belly got his name. Okay. So there's there's three standard myths. One is a racist ass myth. One is just neutral and one is semi like probably true. Myth one is that he couldn't spell his own name, so that when he wrote it down, he spelled his last name Leadbetter as Leadbelly. Okay. Number two is there was a piece of lead that was lodged in his stomach after a gun incident when he was young. 
it was never able to be retrieved, and therefore he was always known as Lead Belly because he constantly <laughs> told the story about it. Like how he called it a gun incident. <laughs> a gun incident. I don't know. It wasn't mentioned. I didn't know it was loaded, Joe. <laughs> exactly. It's a gun. He was probably stabbing some dude, and they shot him. Hey, let's be honest. I mean, let's. Let, I'm not talking shit about Lead Belly, but let's be honest. He was probably shanking the living shit out of somebody, and they shot him. Anyways, number three. Uh, it's a prison nickname, uh, most likely because he is extremely physically tough, and they wanted to make fun of his last name, and he also could eat literally anything. All right. Well, I mean, that makes way more sense than the first one. Well, I mean. The second one is probably a better story, though. I'm going to go with the second one. I don't care. Yeah, You should have went with your first impulse. It was the third one. I was realizing I, I should have not said the last one first because I had way better information about it and gave it away. Well, I refuse to believe that that's true. I like the second one. Oh, the, the, the lead in the stomach? Yep. I, I can't find any evidence of anybody actually hurting him. That's the weird thing. It's like, <laughs> uh, we did a lot of research. And so I he stabbed a lot of people, but nobody stabbed sh- back? He stabbed the shit out of somebody, but I've heard multiple references <laughs> where he was unharmed, but, like, I don't know. I'm sure I'm sure he got fucked up. Like, if you look at his face, he's had he's had a romp a stomp or and He's two. got a few scars there. Yeah, but, I mean, it's it's not so bad. But, yeah, it was most likely that, that prisoners were playing on his last name, and uh, they were referring to how got tough you. he was. He got shot in the gut. I, I heard you the yeah, first time. Uh, okay, so you're just going to hear whatever you want to hear. <laughs> exactly. All right. I guess we should do final thoughts then, huh? I guess so. Let's preface this with I really like Lead Belly. He inspires me as a musician. He didn't just inspire you. He inspired a shitload of people. Yeah, he inspired a shitload of people. And his music's grand. Literally, you can go to any music source and dude, I, I just want you to do check out Lead Belly. Do check ge- out Lead Belly. In general. And that's my preface to what I say next. Well, I, I think a lot of these musicians, we want you to do check them out. Yeah, the woman's but why we're here. that's why we highlight these songs, you know, at least give you a starting point. Speaking of highlights, I want to switch the highlight to a spotlight. And I want to hit our musician for the first time, Lead Belly. You get the asshole spotlight for tonight. Oh, yay. We found one. Yeah. So one of the things that with every session is we try to find the asshole. We try to find who is the biggest asshole in the story. And unfortunately, in this particular story, there is no bigger asshole than our main protagonist. Quit stabbing people. Don't (laughs) slash people with razors. I mean... You know, maybe Mar- stabbing people's kind of a dick move. Maybe you were out of the juke joint and Martha's getting down with some dude and she's playing and she liked that guy and he plays six string and he doesn't even play the boogie woogie. Oh, not a six string. He plays six oh. string and he doesn't play the boogie woogie and she's dancing with him and giving oh. him the look. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. that look. I know. And that so look. sometimes you just have to pull a razor out of wherever you hide your razor at and slash him as many times as you can slash that motherfucker to sliced ham <laughs> lead belly i love you i'm glad somebody made you a gravestone with your name on it please don't be stabbing people wherever you are no ghost stabbings no ghost stabbings don't come back and stab us even if we do a live broadcast from your grave this is not dude check out this ouija board <laughs> thank you all have a good night Seriously, thank you guys so much for coming out. Yeah, thank you guys. And if you want more, check out our social media. We got Facebook, we got Twitter, and we got Spotify. That's right. If you want to do check out this song, do check out our Spotify because we're making playlists for every episode. Yeah, if you want more after the episode, listen to the Spotify playlist. We've got all the songs we recommended and then some. If you like us a lot, give us a high rating on whatever platform you look at. And if you got any artists you want to suggest, let us know. We would love to make an episode about them. Yeah, so have a good evening. Bye.